Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, happy PGA Championship week to you, sir. Happy Major Thursday to everyone. I don't know about you, Carson, but I think that Thursday and Sunday are my two favorite days of Major Week. Sunday, you crown the winner, and that's all fun and everything. But Thursday, you go in, and everyone has hope. Everyone in the field is in it. All your picks are still uh, viable. I I love Thursday of Major Weeks. Yep, me too. Uh, I'm the same way. I kind of, like, get too amped on Thursday, watch probably too many shots. And then I get, I have to like recover on Friday and Saturday and take care of obligations. And then Sunday I'm like just locked in the rest of the day. So I'm right there with you. I think that's a good way to put it. Pretty much. But, yeah. Um, I think you and I started texting about the PGA championship at like seven 30 this morning. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I got to get my ownership percentages in there on uh, DraftKings and all our pools that we're in and everything. Oh yeah. The masters was good to me. I'm hoping the PGA championship delivers as well. I'm, I'm going to need a few guys to pick it up in this early wave. Give me uh give me your winner, uh dark horse and uh top five. Uh my winner before the week was Xander Shoffley. Love me some Xander. He's playing well and he's just kind of due. You know, Rom, it's hard to go back to back. Scheffler's struggling with his putter. So I'll go Xander for my winner. Dark horse, I think we have the same one. I gave him out earlier this week on the 73rd hole. I still like him. Adam Scott playing really good golf. I had him last week in the one and done uh, at Byron Nelson. And then this week, uh, I think he'll play well as well. And then top five, just a guy that you can kind of lock it. I'd say probably Scheffler to me is a top five, but he's not going to win because he's not going to hold enough six footers. Yeah, his putter's been pretty cold lately. Um, I was going to pick Cameron Young until, you know, word kind of got out from a guy who knows his caddy that he's lost like 16, 14 pounds because of a stomach bug going around. Um, this golf course seems perfect for a bomber like him. He's from New York. It seemed perfect on paper, but um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shy away from him. And I think the, I think the winner is going to be Scotty Scheffler. I, I think we've seen so many times where a guy doesn't putt well and then has spike weeks. And I don't think he has to do that to win. He's just, he's, he's too good around the greens and he's he's number one in greens and regulation which is what this place calls for most so i'll go with scotty my dark horse is adam scott i love adam scott this week i know you liked him too like you said um the putting is no longer an issue for him it's it's kind of not even really a factor when you're talking about adam it's just can he can he um have the usual approach numbers that he has and be good enough off the tee that's the question and he's been really good last month uh, old guys haven't been winning majors, but if one's going to do it, I think it's going to be him or maybe even Jason Day. So with that in mind, I'd have Scheffler, Rom, Scott, um, Day, and oh, I didn't like Victor at all coming into this week. He's playing really well, but I'll, I'll shy away from Victor and I'll go. Um, who else did I like? Uh, how about uh, how about Hideki? I think Hideki's flying under the radar, radar this week. I think this course fits him pretty well. He definitely is. That would be a good one. Uh, I, I hope our audience appreciates us nerding out about golf every major championship. It's four times a year. It's in the off season of football, uh, and we enjoy our golf. So I appreciate everybody sticking with us, and 
hopefully you all are out there are in some pools as well and, and you guys are doing well. Well, yeah, and I think it's fair to start with golf considering, you know, the big news in Oklahoma State this week is Oklahoma State men's golf. Um, they did not make it to the NCAAs. They finished seventh in the Las Vegas Regional. They missed the cut and failed to qualify. They've made it 65 years in a row from 1947 to 2011, which is an NCAA record. We all remember back in 2011, Mike Holder uh, axed a uh, very well-liked head coach and, and Mike McGraw. It was very controversial at the time. Alan Bratton has since gone on to win a national championship, but 2023 marks just the second time in 75 years. Oh, she's not going to play for a championship, Colby. And dare I say, it's really not that big of a surprise the way Oklahoma State golf has, has trended the last few years. Yeah, it just was not a great season for Oklahoma State golf. The losses of both Chikara and Stark uh, after last season were huge. You know, Chikara, uh, it was believed he was coming back. He had already announced that he was coming back. And then, obviously, Liv Golf made a better offer, and he decided to go play for Liv. Brian Stark, he just, from from everything that I've heard, needed a change. Um, wasn't necessarily happy in Stillwater, not so much with the team, but just with, with college life and everything. He just needed a change. So he goes to Texas, and he's been really solid for them. But Oklahoma State just... Man, they didn't play well enough. Uh, the the regional, Jonas Baumgartner played well. He finished T5 at 15 under. Other than that, it was T22 for Neargard Peterson, T49 for Bo Jin, whose game's really fallen off. Hazen Newman was T61. Leo Oil was T44. Though That's just, it's not good enough. It's not going to get it done. Uh, they get toppled by the likes of Northwestern, East Tennessee State, San Francisco, all um, ahead of Oklahoma State, uh, Northwestern gets left out of nationals as well. But yeah, it, it's a poor performance from Oklahoma State. And I think that you have to question the state of this program right now from its highest high when they won that national championship five years ago at Karsten Creek with Victor Hovland, Matthew Wolf, Austin Eckrote, Zach Boshu, those guys, uh, Chris Ventura as well on that team. That starting five was unbelievable. But now the talent has diminished. People around the country are getting better. Oklahoma State has been caught up to and, and probably even passed in terms of uh, facilities, practice areas, things of that nature. You have, I think, been passed in your own state. Uh, Oklahoma right now, today, is a better program than Oklahoma State. And, and that pains me to say out loud, but they've been more consistent right? Coach Hibble's been more consistent at having talent year in and year out. Even when you lose guys, there's other guys there to replace. Guys seem to be progressing better down there. It's it's a weird situation we're in right now, Carson, where college golf at Oklahoma State on the men's side anyway, they're kind of teetering on going into a little program-wide slump here, and they've got three of the top 25 juniors in the country coming in, but that's a couple of years away, Carson. I, I think Coach Bratton has to go out, be really aggressive in the portal, and try to fix this thing immediately because the standard is very high at Oklahoma State uh, when it comes to golf, especially on the men's side with all the history that they have, and, and quite frankly, this this result just isn't good enough. No, I think everything you said is not only fair, I think it's pretty inarguable at this point that, that Oklahoma is a better men's golf program than, than Oklahoma State. And that that should send off alarm bells. And look, OU's been good th throughout their history as well. They aren't just some scrub, but I'm sorry. OU should never be better at men's golf than Oklahoma State. And that's basically what Ryan Hibble's done when, since he's taken over at Oklahoma. And as much as I want to use precedent with this, Mike Holder's not in charge anymore. And we all know how serious Mike Holder took golf. I thought Mike McGraw got hosed. Still do. Uh, did it work out with Alan Bratton? It absolutely did. Alan Bratton took him to greater heights. He, he got over the hump and won a national championship. He brought in the likes of Victor Hovland, Matthew Wolf, and those guys. But 
I don't know. It, it, have they petered out? His recruiting has not been as good. Uh, they've had some big whiffs in recruiting. The 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 Ryan Thomas kid from uh, the UAE has, was number one amateur in the world at one point. He can't even make the roster, and he's a senior. So they're they're not they're just not hitting as well as they were in recruiting, like they were when they got the likes of Victor Hovland, who was pretty under the radar. And so I don't think. Alan Bratton deserves to get fired just because Mike McGraw did, you know, back in 2011. But I do think it's fair to question where this is going. And I think you're right. The portal could certainly help. Um, but I, Colby, this is, OSU hasn't just been racking up national titles like they used to. I think it's kind of a situation like men's wrestling. Um, you know, still, still very good, still can be ranked in the top five to top 10, but really hasn't had much chance of, of winning a national championship. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, it is. And I don't know with the new match play format that consistent national championships are going to be achievable for any program anymore because that's true. You, you get to Greyhawk or wherever the, the site's going to be coming up, and it's just harder. It, it's a lot more random when you go match play. You got three guys out of five, and uh, teams can get hot, stuff like that. But I do think that year in, year out, I mean, a program like Oklahoma State, the expectation has to be that you're in the match play. That's one of the top eight teams in stroke play when you get to the national championship, go to match play, and then in match play, anything can happen. If you win the title, great. If you don't, so be it. But but that's you have to give yourself a chance. And to Coach Bratton's credit, he's done that. Even a year ago, whenever this team wasn't its absolute best, Oklahoma State got to match play. They lose to the eventual national champion. They've been in match play just about every year. Now, this year, you don't even make it to nationals, so the the drop-off feels so severe. It's not like you got there and you finished, you know, 10th in stroke play and didn't get into the match play or whatever. Not even making it is the big problem. So, you know, winning a national championship year in, year out, or even once every five years, it's going to be much harder in golf now uh, than it was whenever you could just dominate over the, over the course of four days of stroke play. But you have to get there. You have to be at nationals. You have to be in the match play. I think that has to be the standard at Oklahoma State. And this really needs to be a one-year blip for Coach Bratton. And I don't think that he should be fired after one down season. Uh, but I think he's got a, another year or two to get this thing back on track and make sure that the forward momentum of the program uh, gets picked back up and you're in a position where you feel like this program is going to continue getting better because right now it kind of feels like they're stuck in neutral. Uh, and then with the the Takara and Stark losses, uh, obviously they threw it in reverse this year. So not not ready to go full panic mode off one bad season. Uh, asking for patience is, is tough whenever you have an elite program, but Get it, get it fixed quickly because Oklahoma State golf fans are passionate um, and that university is passionate about its golf and missing out on nationals, having to turn on uh, the NCAAs next week and Oklahoma State's not even there. That is no fun at all. No, it's not. And I mean, what I kind of, when I started thinking about it, it kind of reminded me of program-wise, is Oklahoma State just kind of like the University of Georgia? where they have a ton of dudes playing professional golf, a ton of dudes on both tours, and they don't really win anything nationally anymore. You know, when's the last time Georgia won a national championship? And they have the most representatives at this week's PGA championship. Oklahoma State's just below them for second and with four. But I think Georgia has like six or seven alums, but they really haven't contended for a national championship since Patrick Reed beat them. So um, that's kind of that's kind of where I think they're at, don't you? Uh, yeah, that's probably fair. Uh, last national championship for, uh, Georgia golf looks like 2005. 
So yeah, it's been a while. 18 years since they last won one. That's crazy. I I tell you what, it's a good thing that everything came together in 2018 and they were able to get the one at Carson. Probably should have had a second one the next year. One stroke play by like 38 shots and then match play got fluky and um, they lost to a Texas team. They had no business losing to when some of those young guys, Cole Hammer and the the Cooties were down there, played well that day. But um, yeah, it's a good thing you got the one in 18 because otherwise this would be an extreme drought for Oklahoma State golf. And if Coach Bratton can make this a one-year blip and then get him back to Greyhawk and get him in the match play and then you're competing, then all of a sudden, if you're in the match play, you can win the Natty. So um, you, you really just have to have one of the best eight teams in the country, and any of those eight, it is total potluck once you get into the match play. Rarely does the one seed win it. A lot of times you'll see that three, four, five seed win it. So you really just need to be one of the top eight and get yourself in the bracket. Um, but, yeah, Coach Bratton's got to make it happen because, uh, I mean, I've been getting messages on Twitter. People love talking golf. Like I said, Oklahoma State golf fans are very passionate. Uh, I'm sure there are some people out there saying, talk about off-season football, but uh, the golf fans are very passionate. I've been getting messages about people like, hey, this is unacceptable, right? What's going on here, and is this going to be fixed quickly? Uh, hopefully some of these recruiting classes coming in, but that's a couple years down the road. I really think the portal uh, is, is the way this gets fixed quickly, and I think Coach Bratton has to be and will be very aggressive in the portal. Yeah, I think so. And you know what else Oklahoma State needs? What's that? Uh, Ryan Hibble is a University of Georgia alum. So who can lead Georgia back to their first national championship since 2005? Just call Ryan Hibble. Get him out of OU. That's what I would do. Uh, that would I, don't help. Hate, I, I don't hate that idea at all. I was down in Norman on what day was that Tuesday? I went down there for the regional. I'm doing a story on Ludwig Aberg from Texas Tech, the number one player in PGA Tour U, going straight to the pros with a PGA Tour card. That'll be out probably late next week on golfchannel.com if y'all want to check that out. I talked to Coach Hibble about Ludwig and uh, and he gave me some really good quotes, called him the Megatron of college golf. So, uh, <laughs> it's it, it's hard for me as an Oklahoma State fan because I love Oklahoma State golf. I'm passionate about Oklahoma State golf, but I've actually been around Coach Hibble more than I've been around Coach Bratton. Just some things we did with the 73rd Hole podcast. And now this story that I'm writing, talking to him down there, I've just I've run into him in public a few times, out chicken and pickle and stuff. And gosh, I really like Coach Hibble. It it really is the the biggest um conundrum for an Oklahoma State fan to to know the OU men's golf coach personally and really like him because uh he's great I understand why his players respond to him and he he's a guy that you want to go play for so hard for me to say all that stuff as an Oklahoma State fan but Coach Hibble's pretty impressive yeah like when people ask me all the time about my uh career in television and you know you're an OSU guy what was it like covering OU like I always tell them like Basically, I've had the same experience you did. Now, I, I I didn't care for Bob Stoops very much. I think he he kind of played a caricature up there and was just kind of gruff and rude just because he felt like that was the best way to protect his team. But, like, I loved Brent Venables. He was one of my favorite coaches I've covered. And he's now the head coach at Oklahoma. So, like, it, it kind of takes some of that fandom out of you when you meet people. And they're just people. And how they treat you affects the way you you know, feel about him sports wise. Um, so like, so yeah, for me, it took out, you know, I, I was kind of like you growing up where, you know, I grew up a huge OSU fan. I couldn't stand OU, but then once I, once I covered them and was around them more, it was just like, you know what? Like we're all, we're all people here. It's not, it's not, there's no reason to hate this person. Now, I want them to lose. Sure. Uh, you know, especially when they're playing Oklahoma state, but I, I've had that similar experience you've had with Hibble with, you know, other OU entities like, 
like Gerald McCoy, one of my favorite people I've ever interviewed, and regardless of sport, uh, stuff like that. So I get where you're coming from with that. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, we, we should say it's a testament to Coach Robertson with what he's done on the women's side. Uh, you know, the, the women's season ends a week earlier than the men's in college golf. The women's uh, nationals will get underway tomorrow at Greyhawk. But this year, the men's season ended a week earlier than the women's. They are at Greyhawk once again, three straight years for Coach Robertson. Uh, and the women's program at Oklahoma State really uh, doesn't have the storied history that the men's side has. And Coach Robertson's done a great job. So as we criticize the men's program for having just – uh, a pretty bad year and a down year. We've got to also give the flowers to the women's program uh, for what they've been able to do. Absolutely. He's done a great job. Um, so it's, I I think it's time, uh, you know, gosh, Colby, I, I feel like I said this many podcasts ago, but like football down, basketball down, softball bigly down, uh, OSU men's golf down, like uh, Squinky's having their way with us lately. Yeah, things are not great. It was, uh, what was it, a couple years great. ago. It wasn't like Cade ran right into the the magical Malcolm football season. Uh, and then you had Women's College World Series. You had baseball team threatening and, and, and were a contender nationally. There were a lot of things going right all at once. And most of it has seemingly turned. Now, baseball is still looking good. They could still host a regional. Softball is hosting a regional. But I don't think anybody's really fired up about what softball is doing right now. Carson, they were 39-3. and three. They were 39 and three. They're 41 and 14. I don't know what has happened to the softball team. It, they, they lost to Kansas uh, last week. Uh, I liked what Pistols Firing Blog said online, said that they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. I, something is going on with the softball team, and I don't know what it is, but 11 of 13 after you went 39 of your first 42? It seems unfathomable. Yeah, that someone needs to explain that to me. How, how do you go from number two in the country to losing that many games. I just, so disappointing. This is this, I'm now I'm just sad. You want to move on to into Texas, to Texas tech, uh, not to Kansas, to North Texas, um, Wichita state. They lost to a couple of weeks ago. Wichita state is now in the regional in Stillwater. You know, they lost one to Iowa state. So yeah, you get swept by OU. Who's got the dynasty rolling down there, but they're also losing a bunch of teams that they should be beating. So, uh, hopefully they get it figured out at the regional because if they don't, like I said, Wichita state is in there. Uh, they've got the university of Maryland, Baltimore County, and then Nebraska. So I think that they're going to have to play well. They're playing a Wichita state team that won 43 games this year. So, uh, hopefully they can get out of the regional and, and get back to Oklahoma city. Cause I think it would be nothing short of a failure if Oklahoma State was not in, in the Women's College World Series. Yeah, that that would be super, super disappointing considering how the year started, for sure. You know, I mentioned Bedlam earlier. Uh, uh, Josh Holiday was quoted as saying uh, Bedlam series could continue, but a three-game series unlikely after OU moves to the SEC. He gave some quotes to uh, to Marshall Scott and company. So you can read it up on the website, but... You know, he's of the opinion, Colby, that you know three-game series just can't happen because it would have to happen early in the year and then the rest of the year is taken up by conference games. But um, I don't know. I, I think they need to work this out, Colby, because that's one sport that needs as much bedlam as it can get. Yeah, I think so, too. And, uh, I mean, it's nice for Oklahoma State if you can just pencil in a free non-conference win on your schedule early in the season against an SEC opponent. I think that that's fantastic. Uh, Oklahoma State baseball is so dominant over Oklahoma. Uh, that's part of why I think people love Josh Holiday so much. Bedlam wins are popular regardless of the sport, and there have been a bunch of them in baseball. So I think a, a once-a-year 
non-conference game prior to the start of conference play. You, you do a home and home. You trade off every other year. I think that that's totally reasonable in baseball. I think it'll be fun for the fans. Uh, Bedlam starts tomorrow this weekend down in Norman, Oklahoma State. Still has a slight chance uh, for the outright Big 12 championship. Need to win all three, and then they need Texas to sweep West Virginia. I, I don't know about Texas sweeping West Virginia, but as far as Oklahoma State sweeping Oklahoma, that's very much in play because we've seen a whole lot of that lately. Yeah, that would be sweet to send them off uh, before next year, and then who knows what happens to the series. Josh Holiday was quoted as saying he has, quote, zero interest in playing an early season series against Oklahoma because of the weather situation and the fact, you know, fans don't really turn up that early in the year, and I, I tend to agree with him. He also said, you know, we won't play in Oklahoma City and Tulsa because we play here, meaning O'Brate Stadium. I liked hearing that, Colby, considering all the money they just spent <laughs> to build O'Brate Stadium. Why, why go play in Tulsa or Oklahoma City when you got that thing sitting there in Stillwater? Yeah, I agree. And and it's like, I understand taking it to Oklahoma City and Tulsa. I understand like trying to expand your college baseball fandom and stuff, but Oklahoma State has a great college baseball fan base and they have a great college baseball stadium, one of the absolute best in the country. So uh, yeah, you, you want to come play us, come to O'Brien. Yeah. So you mentioned the scenarios to win the Big 12. Uh, they're also projected to be a top 15 seed in the NCAAs. I believe they uh, the latest projections have them paired with the University of Florida, who would be the uh, three seed, uh, as that that'd be their pairing for the potential super regional. I mean, so they right now the current projections has them as a one seed, the fourteen overall seed, with Dallas Baptist and Texas A and M and Sam Houston. So kind of an all Texas type regional up in Stillwater. I could see that happening, but it's just nice they can host a regional now uh, with no questions asked with the new stadium and and just how much Stillwater's grown over the years. We're were you old enough to remember the the hotel fiasco back when they had Andy Oliver and those guys? Uh, no, I'm not familiar with the hotel fiasco. Well, it was right along the, the timeline where Andy Oliver was suspended by the NCAA, another squinky violation that What's didn't that? really, didn't really early, happen. Early, early to mid-2000s? Yeah, it was when I was in college, so it would have been mid, you know, 05, 06 at that time, maybe 07. But I think the year before or maybe even that year, it might have been a double whammy where – they were one of the best teams in the country and they weren't given a, a regional because what the NCAA said was a lack of hotel rooms because they had, they had already booked a ton of, there was some other event unrelated to, I think to athletics going on. I'm sure people that are listening to this are probably yelling at their podcast right now, but there was some situation where there was another event in town and they didn't have enough hotel rooms to accommodate a regional, which is just all time, all time hose job to those players and coaches that works worked their tails off to host a regional, and they they ended up, I think, losing either in supers. They, they didn't make it to Omaha. Long story short. Uh, yeah, that's an all time hose job on the heels of what was an all time hose job with the Andy Oliver suspension. He sued the NCAA and won because the NCAA as is often the case overreached and did things that they're not allowed to do and things that are illegal. Um. Still still can't believe that the, the basketball ruling didn't wind up in court with something in Oklahoma State's favor, but I guess sometimes there's only so many things you can do whenever you're you're abiding by their rules and playing in their system. Uh but yeah, it was it was a bad time for Oklahoma State baseball. I'm I'm pretty bullish on the baseball team, Carson. I, I know that we're kind of down about some other sports right now, but baseball has been playing really well. Uh took two or three from Kansas State last weekend and they they lost the first game by a run the next two they they run ruled them beat them by 15 each game nolan schubert so so good nolan mclean back uh healthy in the lineup they're playing well carson i I think that this is a team that could make it to omaha once you're there you never know they're gonna have to play well obviously to get out of a regional to win a super regional you have to play good baseball but this team is capable of doing it 
I would think so too. And that's the thing about baseball. Like oftentimes when, when OSU has been a top five seed, they run up against a hot team and, you know, they're in a prime position to be that hot team this year and they, they've got the bats to do it. Uh, pitching is always going to be a question, I think, coming into the, the off or the postseason. But um, it's not, it's the best team rarely ever wins the baseball championship. It's the hottest team. So hopefully they can start to get hot here in the the most crucial port portion of the uh, the schedule. So that'll be that'll be a lot of fun up there in Stillwater when that uh, regional hopefully comes around and and we'll see if they can uh, roll the dice and win a Big Twelve outright championship. That'd be a great deal for for Holiday and company as well. Uh, one final note before we move on to Bullets and BBs, the CBS ranking the top 25 Power 5 college coaches. A uh, little bit more respect for Mike Gundy, who sometimes doesn't make this list or ends up in the 20s. They've got him at number 17. But Colby, I, I've got a list of beeps here. Uh, just for the listener at home, Nick Saban one, Kirby Smart two, Dabo, Lincoln Riley, Jim Harbaugh, that's your top five. Uh, Brian Kelly, Kyle Whittingham, Ryan Day, Luke Fickle at nine, and James Franklin at 10. Sonny Dykes at 11, Chris Kleiman at 12, Chip Kelly, Lane Kiffin, Dave Clawson, Josh Heupel, then Mike Gundy. Oh, I don't even know where to start. Um, Sonny Dykes, the one-hit wonder at 11. You got to love it. Yeah, who has failed at every stop he's been to. He has he catches lightning in a bottle one year, and all of a sudden he's ranked 11th over Mike Gundy's 20-year history. That one stood out. James Franklin, who's never done anything at Penn State other than disappoint. Uh, he's made a few BCS bowl type games, but what has James Franklin ever done? Uh, Luke Fickle, I'm sorry. I know Cincinnati was a great story. Speaking of one hit wonders, I know he's the coach at Wisconsin, but I just think Colby, you know, Chris Kleiman is a good coach. Uh, he won the Big 12 last year. Congrats. I just think my, people just discount Mike Gundy's longevity. Lane Kiffin ahead of Mike Gundy is a, a crime, Josh Heupel as well, a crime. Why is the longevity of Mike Gundy no longer given any respect, Colby? Because I, I used to see these lists every year, and guess who was always near the top five? It was always Gary Patterson, who at that point had done less than Mike Gundy and coached at TCU. So I don't really don't want to hear that, well, he's just the coach of Oklahoma State. Uh, and the reason Patterson was up there was his crazy longevity. And now that Mike Gundy is one of the top three, he might be top two longest tenured coaches in college football. He doesn't get any credit for it. I, I I don't understand. Make it make sense. Yeah, the the only counter argument I would have is if this list is purely, okay, right now, today, don't care what you've done, don't care about your resume, your longevity, right now, today, which coach do I want on the sideline for my team? If that's how they're ranking these, okay, I get it. Oklahoma State's coming off a down year. Uh, you come off down year, and, and people look at you differently. You come off a big year, TCU, Sonny Dykes, people look at you differently that way too. So I, I would say if this is ranking the careers of these coaches, this list is an unmitigated disaster. But if you're just saying, okay, I'm going into the 2023 football season, here's a list of coaches in order that I want on the sideline for my team, then I don't necessarily have a problem with it. So I, I would say – if, if you're asking me to make it make sense, that's the best explanation I can come up with. Yeah, I guess. I just, and look, and this is, and I, I want listeners who think I just hate Mike Gundy and just find reasons to criticize him. I hope you remember this moment and, and log it in your brain when you send me these tweets that I hate Mike Gundy or that I mean to Mike or that I want him fired. When Mike, has it rolling? I say so. When he has a down year like last year, Colby and I are going to say so. And 
if you want sunshine pumping, you've come to the wrong place. But I call a spade a spade. Mike Gundy's one of the best college football coaches in history. He's going to the Hall of Fame. People scoff at that when I say that, too. He's absolutely going to the Hall of Fame. And he's one of the top, definitely top 10 coaches in, in college football. And he's never said so. And I understand this is an Oklahoma State podcast, and of course I'm saying that, but there's no other way to slice it when you look at his resume. And I'm just, I'm tired of seeing longevity rewarded to Kyle Whittingham at seven and not Mike Gundy at 17. I'm sorry. Kyle Whittingham and Mike Gundy had virtually the same resume, virtually. And he's 10 spots ahead of them. And I'm not, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand it. Maybe I need to tweet or, uh, the guy that wrote this, who I, I really like, uh, Tom Fornelli, and be like, what's what's the deal? What, what's what's going on with this? It makes no sense. Yeah, and for the record, I think Whittingham's fantastic, but despite the criticism that we have of Mike Gundy week in and week out, I think Mike Gundy's fantastic too. I'm sure if we covered Utah football, we, we would have some punning decisions that I would be on here ranting about in the middle of October. Fourth and two, what are you doing? I'm sure that would happen regardless <laughs> of who we covered around the country. Uh, so yes, you're going to hear our week in, week out criticisms of Mike Gundy because that's who we cover. But he and Kyle Whittingham, very similar. Very similar. Lower level programs, not a ton of success before they come on board. And then all of a sudden, you know, Kyle Whittingham uh, did did have one extra step, I guess, jumping up from the Mountain West to the Pac-12. But a lower program, not that much history, and he's turned it into a steady, stable program that is at or near the top of his conference year in and year out. And Mike Gundy, for the most part, has done the same thing. Who would you rather have, Mike Gundy or the number 15th ranked coach, Dave Clawson of Wake Forest, who is 59 and 53 in nine seasons at Wake Forest? I'm going to lean Mike Gundy. I'm going to lean heavily toward Mike Gundy. Dave Clawson? Is that what we're doing here? Dave it's just, <laughs> It's just, it's unbelievable to me. And this is where... Again, this is recency bias. Recency bias. Last year, Dave Clawson was 17th on this list. They moved him up to 15. Last year, Mike Gundy was 10th on this list. One bad season, Carson. One. He goes from 10th to 17th on this list. Yeah, I don't get it. But anyway, that's that stood out to me. But hey, he's getting so he's getting less credit than last year. I was wrong about that. So he went from 10 to 17 after one season, which again deserves criticism. But again, if you're gonna rank coaches, I think I think it's not a one-year ranking. So you gotta take that into account. All right, you ready for bullets and BBs, Colby? What do you got this week? Uh, bullets and BBs where I've got my BB in front of me. I lost my bullet. You, you do your bullet first while I find mine. Uh, my bullet, I've lost mine too, but I, we're going to find it. And, uh, it goes to Kevin Peterson, former Oklahoma state cowboy pride of Wagner. Uh, he recently retired and, uh, a kid that I remember when he signed with Oklahoma state, I was like, that's a great get in state. That's a kid that I think Oklahoma should have recruited harder. Ended up having a really, really, really good career uh, at Oklahoma State. I wasn't sure if he'd stick in the NFL, but he uh, he played six years, and that's that's a good amount of money for a kid that, uh, as Mike Gunny likes to say, did everything right. I really enjoyed getting to know him when he was a player, uh, and was a very good player. And you know, sometimes we lose track of the guys that aren't stars in the NFL, but they're making money, providing for their families, and uh, he's an in-state kid, and I always have a soft spot for them. So congratulations to Kevin Peterson. Uh, on a great career in the NFL. Uh, very nice. Just to pull back the curtain, show everyone how organized I am with my notes here. I've got like 
27 different sheets of paper that I've, that I've written on, on my desk. And for some reason I wrote my bullet and BB on different sheets, which makes a ton of sense. Uh, Austin Ekro is getting my bullet. I, I knew I had to find it cause I knew it was big time. Austin Ekro, big time second last week at the Byron Nelson, uh, played great. Had a chance to win the tournament. Jason day went uh, sick low on Sunday, shot a 62 and got his first win in five years. But Austin Ekro getting into contention for the first time. He came home for a week, grabbed his high school putter out of the garage, and then goes down uh, and dominates on the greens at TPC Craig Ranch. 845K for that T2 finish, but just as important are the FedEx Cup points. He was outside the 125. You've got to be inside uh, 125 after the fall season. It, it's kind of different the way they've tweaked it this year. It's not just uh, going to the PGA Tour playoffs, the FedEx Cup playoffs, but that is a big-time result for Austin Eckroat, who is looking to stick on the PGA Tour. Um, it, it's tough for rookies out there as you learn the courses, uh, places guys, other guys have been playing for decades or more. Um, yeah, it, it's big time for Eckroat to get that result. That's going to propel him throughout this season uh, early in his rookie PGA Tour career. I want to know what, fa- you know, what fascinates me about PGA golf and like sponsorships. Austin Eckrow was rocking a, a Michael Kors logo on his polo. Like, what does he get from that? Does he get like some discounted Michael Kors clothes? Does he get a watch? Does he just get straight cash? Homie, what does, what does that entail? Because that was an odd uh, activation, I thought, by Michael Kors. Uh, so I was actually watching the closing stretch Sunday with my dad and I pointed out, I was like Michael Kors and Cadillac. I think he had Cadillac on the arm. Well, that's my boy. That's my boy, Aaron Wilson up in, uh, up in Stillwater, the Cadillac dealer. He sponsors all the guys. I figured that was Aaron Wilson. He's all over it. Yeah. He, he loves him some Oklahoma state golf. Um, but yeah, Michael Kors, I would think that that is a, uh, a straight cash homie situation. Well, I hope so. That's that's great for him. But um, it's so funny you brought him up. I meant to bring him up too. You know, I was at a gas station like, gosh, two or three months ago, and he was in there. And I wouldn't, you know, I'm not the type of guy to like, hey, Austin, do you remember me? I used to be on. T- I'm I'm just not even gonna like approach him. But he he recognized me when he turned around, and we talked briefly. And I I went into my car and told Sydney, my my wife, I was like, Austin, Austin, I go, do you know how it is? He's walking to his car. I go. Do you know who that is? You're like, no, he looks like a college kid. And I was like, yeah, he's he's probably going to make like $30 million in his career if he sticks in the PGA Tour. <laughs> She's like, what? I was like, yeah, he played golf at Oklahoma State. He's really, really, really good. He was a freshman on the, the national championship team, and he's a great kid. She's like, wow. And and it just kind of, when I, when I thought of that story, Colby, it just reminded me just like, you brought up what a golf school Oklahoma State is and what a golf state Oklahoma is, like, that's just kind of what Oklahoma's like. We got so many professional golf ties in this state that you just you're gonna run, you're bound to run into them. And it was kind of funny to run it into Austin a few months back, and then watching him do well in the tournament was a great great thing to watch. Uh, yeah, for me, I remember whenever I was on campus, the the golf team to most of the student body don't even know who they are. You walk by and it's like don't even know. But for me, when I was in college, I knew okay. This guy's going to be on tour. This guy's going to be on tour. And this guy's going to be on tour. So when I saw those guys around campus, they were like celebrities to me. I, I walked past Peter Uline one day, uh, and this he was number one amateur in the world one time. He, he played in the uh, Masters as a result of, a, I believe, his USAM result. And he walked by with his, uh, his Masters backpack on. And I just walked past him <laughs> on campus and saw his Masters backpack. I thought it was the coolest. I was 18 or 19 at the time. Oh, man, I thought it was so cool. Those guys were like celebrities. Yeah, and if, you know, 
I, I, I would have been, it would have been wise for some, some people on campus to uh, try to get Victor's number. You know, if you're a, if you're a girl on campus, like <laughs> that guy's going to be worth probably about a hundred to $200 million by the time his career's over. So they're like walking, they're walking franchises that haven't expanded yet. Basically. It's pretty crazy to think about just for a, a kid that age to, to, to really people that understand golf know what's what's coming for those type of guys they're just they're different and their their talents just crazy good so uh what do you got for me on bb's uh bb's i I was gonna go i thought about men's golf or softball we've already covered both of those so i'm gonna go a little off the wall here i'm gonna go big 12 baseball tournament the big 12 baseball tournament is departing oklahoma city it is moving down to arlington to Globe Life. They've got the roof now. They've got the big fancy new stadium, and that's what happens. Money comes in, nice new stadium, and Oklahoma City loses the Big 12 Baseball Championship. It's really disappointing to me, Carson. That's an event that I've enjoyed going to. Uh, it's, I probably would have taken my daughter out next weekend and just hung out in the stands and let her crawl around and, and stumble around and play on the little play stuff. But, uh, yeah, that's a bummer for me. I, I don't know if you ever got down to that, but I've been to that tournament many a time in Oklahoma City, and I'm very disappointed that it is heading out and going on down I-35 to Texas. Well, when I started interning at KFOR under the great Bob Berry Jr., you know, it was, you know, this time of year, end of May, school's out. It was always my first kind of indoctrination to covering sports and working for a TV station when I was an intern. I was so fun. That's some of my earliest memories of covering sports were going to going to the, the stadium downtown and running tapes back to the station for Bob Sr. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna miss that. It was kind of a, a rite of passage this time of year. That's that's too bad. Uh the attendance kind of waned over the years. I, I doesn't really surprise me that they're moving, but um it makes sense with all the schools that are in Texas as well. But uh, that's a sad end because Oklahoma City did a really good job supporting it over the years. Yeah, I thought so too. And again, they'll get good attendance down there and you've got a bunch of schools in the area. I'm sure it's a a better location for everybody. But uh, yeah, Oklahoma City, just for me personally, was fun and I've enjoyed that tournament a lot. Well, I was going to go Scotty Scheffler for taking five minutes to hit a shot today, but we all know golf needs a shot clock. Uh, I'm going to go, I predicted this back in October and every now and then your boy gets one right. Um, regardless of what people on Twitter say sometimes. Back in October, I said, look, the Spurs are finally tanking for the first time in their history of San Antonio. They're going to get Wimbenyama, aren't they? That would be so Spurs, just like they got Tim Duncan, even though they already had David Robinson. They tanked the two times they've tanked Colby. They've gotten the best power forward all time and the best player since LeBron. And I, I just, as a Thunder guy, I hate it. I absolutely hate it hate it. I wanted Wimbyon in the East. I certainly did not want him in San Antonio. Popovich probably going to stay on longer. I just, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. You know where I really wanted him? And I was so sad when their name got called. Detroit. God, I wanted him in Detroit with Cade. Cade has been dealt the worst hand early in his career. He is in NBA purgatory in Detroit. Nobody cares about Detroit. Nobody (laughs) watches Detroit. Nobody wants to watch Detroit. He's had some injuries early in his career. And and now we're to a situation where where people are talking more in this state about Austin Reeves than Cade Cunningham in the NBA. And rightfully so with Austin Reeves. He has turned into a really good player. I did not think he would be a guy in the NBA who you could pull, put the ball in his hands and tell him to go get his own shot, and he absolutely is that. But I, I'm telling y'all, if Cade can just have a chance to play playoff basketball, then people will see what Cade Cunningham is all about in the NBA. He just needs to be healthy, and he just needs some things to go right around him. And whenever their their name got called at five, 
it was so deflating for me. I just, I did not want him to go to Houston. Houston's a disaster. I wouldn't have minded him in Portland with Dame, but then all his games would have started at nine 30 and that sucks. So um, San Antonio wasn't the absolute worst landing spot for me. It's annoying that they got him because it, it's just the annoyance of the Spurs. Um, but yeah, I really wanted him in Detroit. I was bummed when that envelope got pulled. Thunder got to win the West, man. Keep him out of the West. Um, yeah, Houston, I think, would have been the worst-case scenario. Just all the, the see, history growing between... Did you, huh? see Wimby, did you see Wimby celebrate when Houston got drawn at four? No. Oh, let me send you the video. I didn't even watch it. I'll send you the video on Twitter. Houston gets called at four, and he, like, fist pumps and looks over at his party. Wow. I mean, that yeah. shows you what a, what a train wreck that franchise is, and... Uh, Happy to see them not get it. I did not want them to. They were probably the number one team I did not want to win the lottery. A hundred percent. Nobody wanted Houston to get it. Although, Presti uh, uh, could probably better. pull the wool over their eyes again. Oh, I'm sure he could. Yeah, they have no idea what they're doing in Houston. No idea. They're they're running that franchise into the ground. Oklahoma City uh, goes down for a couple years, and then they're right back where they need to be. And, uh, yeah, Houston's just not that at all. They're going to be down for a while. Oh my gosh, that he wasn't even making that subtle. Like he he wanted people to see that. He wanted people to see that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he knows there's a, a camera on him. Yeah, there's a hundred cameras on him. He knew. He knew what he was doing. Wow, that's great stuff. All right, Colby, anything else? Uh, don't believe so. Victor Hovland playing well. Ricky Fowler goes this afternoon. Ricky Fowler has been playing some really good golf of late. So yes, uh, he has. We've been saying it for for months now. We've been yeah. I've been asking the question: Is is BDR back? Sure appears that way. Yeah, he's gotten his iron game back. He's, he's, again, one of the best iron players in the world, probably one of the top 15 to 20 iron players uh, in the world right now. So hopefully Ricky Fowler can play well. Victor Hovland is just one shot off Ryan Fox's early lead. Hovland has been around in the majors. He's been in the final group, Carson, of the last two major championships. Um, he, he still, I think, comes in a little bit under the radar because he hits the ball so well. Major set up well for him because um, he hits a bunch of fairways whenever they make these courses tough. So I like Victor's chances. He's going to get one eventually. Yep, I do too. I think it's, you know, I, I saw some stat. He was like 20 over his first uh, two majors. He's like 20 under his last two. So he's he's figuring out you can't fire at every pin, and he's figuring out major championship golf. It's just uh, it's a matter of time. I, I kind of like him more at U.S. Opens, but uh, this one's playing like one. I think that's why he's up there. So we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff, Carson. Appreciate everyone listening. Enjoy the PGA Championship, a little Bedlam baseball, uh, regional softball this weekend, and women's golf out at Greyhawk. We'll recap that all next week as spring sports are winding down here in the state of Oklahoma. Thanks for listening. As always, go Pokes.